0: Hello, Trash Future listeners. Please enjoy this unlocked episode of Britnology. And just FYI, there are a bunch more episodes of Britnology on the Patreon. And if you sign up at the $10 a month tier, you get a second Britnology each month, as well as our monthly Q&A episode. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy.
1: This is going to be episode episode three of Britnology as we as we intrepidly explore the psychoses of this uh this sceptered isle um I'm joined as ever by Nate Bethay.
0: hello it's me in the studio with some premium British vape juice uh cycled in from from Peckham to Whitechapel no one's wearing a mask unless they're on a bus the pubs are open everyone's gonna die I love this island everyone's in the pubs because we're not a fucking
1: slag um, so,
0: um and uh this week's topic is
1: uh one for which i had to i had to get fellow britain expert hussein Kazvani on for because Yo. we're going to be talking cursed suburbia
2: i love coming on the spin-off podcast of the podcast that I'm, I'm on and also being introduced as a guest by my full name as if like i'm kind of an exotic online content writer <laughs> he's like new to,
0: Hussain, po- new to we need perspective on the no-go zones of britain suburbs that we're not allowed to go to because mm. we're not muslim oh yeah that's so, true yeah so n- obviously <laughs> we're obviously joined by the soup ayatollah hussein kuzbani <laughs> obviously like hextable or fucking where you know dartford clearly that's a no-go zone no white people live there it's all muslims it's all isis it's basically idlib like yeah that's the way it is so we need your opinion yeah
2: yeah um <laughs> I mean, I've always seen, I've always seen like the suburbs outside of London as also being like a refuge for people who uh, basically see it as a refuge of people who don't want to live in like the Islamized areas of Islington or Stratum <laughs> or whatever, whatever the fuck they think is like next. So they go to like the suburbs where, you know, you can have a garden, you can have a pint, you know, you don't have to hear the, like the call to prayer or anything, um, you know, simple as right uh i never i never go to
1: london because it's full of fucking muslims the only time (laughs) i ever go is once a year to have a pint in all bar one and a meal deal oh my god you know what seeing mama me at a musical too which is my favorite
2: you know what this is actually like (laughs) this is actually very accurate to a guy i went to school with um who came to visit once because he uh he so he lives in northwest kent as well he lives in a place called uh, gravesend um, nice. I don't know whether you've been there. I know uh, Nate, Nate, Nate. Nate probably hasn't. It is. It is a kind of bougie area, but it's also really grim. Um, it's, it's worse than it sounds. What I know about Gravesend is, is that something.
0: when they wanted to create the fictional summer house estate for the series Top Boy, they filmed it on a shitty estate in Gravesend.
2: Oh no way! Did they? Oh fuck! Yeah,
0: yeah. The, 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 the estate that's supposedly in Hackney that they live on is not actually. That's you know, amazing. You know, okay, I need to M1 go. One, I need to go or see E1 that or whatever.
2: Um Yeah. So he came. So he lives in Gravesend. Um, and he was coming into London because he uh had like a job interview. And I said, Okay, let's go for lunch. And our office is in Whitechapel, so I said, like, okay, come meet me in Whitechapel. Um and he comes and he comes in, uh, and we were going to go to like the Brick Lane Curry house, and he's just kind of like, Oh, there's not a lot of white people around here, is there? And I was like, Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, like, what do you say? Like, what, what do you say to that? Like, this is uh, this is like an area that has historically been Bangladeshi for ages. Um, but you could kind of it's see a weird like, flex to go and meet your non-white friend in London and complain yeah. that there aren't <laughs> enough white people. And and I and I think like you could kind of see like how uncomfortable he was in that place. And like, you know, it was really just coming from this environment where like he he's grown up in this very, very white area, but one that is like very hostile. So like they kind of, the the area that they live in exists solely for the purpose that like, they think that, you know, the old East end where, um, you know, my grandparents used to live and stuff, you know, it's been taken over now. It's been taken over now. It's like, no, like your granddad moved to Essex because like he wanted to buy some property there. Right, and that's why you're in Essex yeah. right now. Well, not not because like you've been pushed out by like mischievous Saracens from Bangladesh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you go to the Iceland in Watney Market, it is pretty heavily South Asian, but you'll periodically see a bunch of really old ass cockney white people you know with walkers or in wheelchairs they, they love prawn rings they, yep. they've lived here forever and they, they live in the same social housing and they just never left yeah and i mean somebody i remember i, I think it might have been to the flat roof pub next to the wimpy burger it might have <laughs> been mcdodd Versey who said this to me i can't remember but uh basically we were talking about some of the dumb shit people say about tower hamlets and the idea that like folks in the suburbs are convinced that it's the caliphate, and it's a no go zone, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And, and the, the gentleman with whom I was speaking said, you know, statistically speaking, if you look at Tower Hamlets, it's actually equally, if not more, white than South Asian. Right. It's just that there are some neighborhoods that are primarily South Asian. Tower but, Hamlets is massive. Though, yeah, to but be the fair. borough itself is not. And so, it, you know, it's yeah. weird that, uh, you know, Tower Hamlets, named Tower Hamlets, has somehow become this like synecdoche for. Yeah, cause, Muslimization. Cause when, when people like, talk
1: yeah. about Tower Hamlets, what they're talking about really is Bethnal Green and Whitechapel. But what they don't realize is that Tower Hamlets includes like Tower Hill, fucking Wapping, which is white as hell. And yeah, like all these like outer areas, yeah. which are
0: um <clears>
1: and <throat> like oh, I mean, which is pretty black,
0: if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: like it, almost as far as Stratford is still. It becomes Newham at some point, but it's still Tower yeah. Hamlets, and then it becomes much more Afro Caribbean. A yeah. friend,
0: a friend of mine, um she married a British guy, and she's lived here for like twelve years now. She and her husband, they finally bought a place and they bought, it's in like some, you know the type that it could be in Notting Hill. It could be in, was correction, it could be in Brixton. It could be in Peckham. It could be anywhere. It's built by Notting Hill Genesis. It's like the same floor plan style of new build flats. They bought a place in Fish Island, which is in Tower Hamlets, but it's basically in Stratford. And so,
1: Fish Island. <laughs> whenever I see their
0: posts on Instagram, I'm like, what the fuck is Fish Island? And then I realize, like, it's something near, yeah. pretty close to the Olympic it's Park. It's the
1: first place a fish, a fucking British <laughs> fish crawled out of the river and put on an <laughs> England football shirt and said, simple as.
0: <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I can understand the. Like, I've had it happen to me one time. There was some guy who, in his Twitter profile, said that he was an ex Marine. And he was, I, I said something, it was something that got retweeted. Marine Baz, the British he was, he was an American guy. Oh. And he was like, you know, Muslims don't integrate. It's just Islamization. What about no-go areas? How do you explain Whitechapel? And he said this How to me. How do you explain Whitechapel? I'll do that in, in Marine Todd voice. How do you explain Whitechapel? Um, but, you know, I was sitting in the studio in Whitechapel. And I was just like, it's, 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 a, it's a neighborhood in London, dude. Like, I'm there right now. I'm white. Yeah. I'm Jewish.
1: Going to the Shalamar kebab house and claiming, <laughs> you, the yeah, consent. you
0: you refuse to talk about the
2: times you've been arrested, um, just for just for having white skin, so, um, crime all, yeah. So you know, I mean, stop, I, stop 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 by Islamists because they're wondering why yeah. you haven't
0: grown a ginger beard. Um, I mean, I have to be fair. Grown a huge unkempt beard, I, I definitely look like a teenage ISIS fighter. Yeah, but in Why the grand, it that Nate never says that he's English.
1: There can be only one
0: explanation. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, though, is that ISIS in Tower Hamlets believes in passing down the crimes of your family, and so because my mom is English, I also have to be arrested and thrown in jail. That's right. That's just the way that it works. Exactly. I guess it's, the point yeah. I was trying to make and bring that up is more that, like, I understand that level of crazy from insane right-wing Americans who have seen nothing but just like nightmare Facebook, you know, radicalization memes. But when it's British people, white British people who live in the suburbs of, you know, Surrey, Kent, Essex, yeah. etc., who probably have family links to these neighborhoods or these parts of the city, it's always so insane to me that they. They fall for the same shit. like if yeah. anything, it's people who live 15 miles from here who are more disconnected from reality with regard to what these neighborhoods are like than, than well, you know your like four-chan meme lord who posts about you know Rotherham and Britain all the fucking time, but has like 10 percent more of an accurate understanding of what this these yeah. kinds of, of areas are like than mm. suburban white english people
2: my theory is like two things my theory is first for like the the suburban people who like live only like a train ride away from london um they're reading the same type of facebook posts. so like a lot of people in like northwest kent you know so the dartford gravesend wilmington areas um they don't really go into like other areas of london that much so most of them will probably like if they work city jobs and they mostly have jobs in central london Um, and they Mm. kind of like are commuters. So they'll kind of either commute from Victoria station or they'll commute from London bridge or Charing Cross. Like that's kind of your main routes into, um, the Southeast and, uh, uh, Northwest Kent. Um, so there's not really like any excuse. They don't really have any kind of, you know, they're, they're not really, you know, they're the ones who are going to like all bar ones and stuff. And for them, like London is kind of like the theme park London that we talk about on trash future sometimes um so when they see like these other parts of london i think my theory is is like they expect they, they expect that Whitechapel and stuff should have been that way um but then they then they're kind of like oh there's a big mosque there instead of like a you know another big like glistening glass tower I thought there was going to be an outdoor ice rink
1: <laughs> where I, you could get a, I, yeah. an infused gin cocktail which i like because i'm a fucking bloke
2: and i think a lot of it is also like you know especially among kind of people around like my age in their like late twenties and early thirties and stuff where they're facing the same problems as we are in terms of like not being able to buy like, or like even kind of rent cheaply in places closer into the sissy. Um, but then they're kind of like reading all these Facebook posts about how like, you know, all the Turkish people and all the Pakistani people who like they see as interchangeable for some reason, like for some weird, re- some weird reason. Mm, um, famously you know, the same culture. Yeah. So they're the ones who are like pushing up the prices by like, uh, uh, you know, taking all the houses and stuff. So, like, in you know, they're they're subject to all the same bullshit that like property developers are doing whatever everywhere else. But
1: because there is the that Pakistanis like, are conspiring with their spiritual leader
2: Erdogan, to take right. over and, my and, neighborhood and, 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 and Harun Yahya. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, so like, I feel like there's a there's a mixture of those things, but I think it's also like when you're a commuter, and I feel like we can talk about this maybe in the episode. I feel like the commuter, the commuter, like has a very different experience of london mm-hmm. than say like you who lives kind of in you know who lives in like uh, the southeast end or like further into the southeast end or basically like if you have lived within london like you have a very different experience of what that is
0: but i yeah. would also point something out too you know and, and then we can start talking about that the your are bonafide british suburbs <laughs> um is that living in peckham like it's not that long of, a, of a, a route you know by bike if i or a bus or whatever for me to get to our, our beloved co-host Alice's hometown of Bromley yes. and Bromley is absolutely leafy Tory suburb in a lot of ways yes. it's, it's also like unquantifiably bleak
2: yeah it is it, it's, yeah, it's,
0: yeah I mean so Cynthia and I when we went back we've, since we've moved here we've been back to the United States to visit once and when we went to see my parents last October we flew out of um, Stansted Airport or correction um, Gatwick Airport and so we could have taken the train but it, we, our flight was early enough in the morning that we figured it was easier to just get a cab so we, we drove from you know in the cab from, from Peckham to, to Gatwick uh, which is in Surrey I don't know what the, Sussex. Is, Sussex yeah I don't know what the what the town is um, it's, it's, like, it's it's basically
1: halfway between London and Brighton yeah and uh and so the m23 if you're interested
0: and driving <laughs> dri- that off on your trash future official road map of the united <laughs> kingdom and just going basically due south maybe a little bit southwest from peckham to get to gatwick you go through these more and more suburban communities you go yeah. through croydon but it's as you said both obviously more spacious wider you know, way more detached houses. Some of them are really fancy, but it's also incredibly bleak. And you have to remind yourself like, you're within the M25 for most of this trip. You're within the sort of yeah. notional boundaries of what counts as Greater London before you really hit like the hardcore home counties. And if you yeah. really look at some of these places, I don't have it like right in front of me, but some of the areas that are right on the periphery of the M25, like you look at these, and if you told me that this town was in, I don't know, in Dorset, if you just gave me Google Street View, I'd believe it.
1: Yeah. Okay so in that, in that case by by way of introduction I've got a little primer I've prepared on uh, the, the suburbs of this of this great nation right <laughs> uh so like I think we're going to we're going to basically for the most part apart from a short reading series at the end we're going to limit ourselves to the home counties which are the counties surrounding uh London so canonically that's like uh Essex Hertfordshire Berkshire but buckinghamshire kent surrey sussex basically um i might be missing something but th- those are basically the uh, and i think there are no more there are no more canonical home counties than kent and essex which are the places where hussein and i grew up right so people talk a lot about what makes britain the way it is and they mention a lot of different things but i think really what has been fundamental to the driving political force in britain of the last 20 years is the kind of people you find in the home counties There's a certain type of guy that we're talking about who defines the home counties. And I think the best way to describe this person is working class Range
0: Rover owner, right? (laughs) Like the guy. And this is not a guy who's broke and he's doing it on credit. This guy has money. But he absolutely it's fundamental to his identity that he asserts to you that he is working class. Yeah, he's
1: no-nonsense Baz, but he owns a very successful plumbing business that employs, like, 14 people, owns a £1.5 million house that is somehow still Pebble Dash, nevertheless, and drives <laughs> and drives an ice-white Range Rover with a number plate that says, like, Legend, or something like that. And
0: bear in mind, his plumbing business pays him a salary of £8,600 a year, and he does not have any more reported income besides this.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, ra- the Range Rover was a gift from a friend of ours. So, to understand this person... You need to understand a bit about like the origin of the modern home counties. So it, again, as a very short potted summary, cast your minds back to World War Two. Some things happened. Churchill, the original Antifa, we all remember it, right? So uh, after World War II, uh, basically a lot of people in uh, South and East London primarily had essentially been bombed out of the slums, the slums they lived in by our friends in the Luftwaffe. So the Labour government decided to build a shit ton of social housing in all of the counties around London, but especially in Essex and Kent, to the point where they even built a lot of entirely new towns, which are sort of like concrete. I mean, like, a a lot of shit is talked about how, like, oh, well, you wouldn't want to live in the Soviet Union. Go to a fucking new town that was built in the 1950s in Britain, and it feels like fucking... I was about to say Khabarovsk, but actually Khabarovsk is
0: quite nice. It feels like Novokuznetsk. The only place I've been in Britain that has gridded streets that are perfect grids with numbers like first street second street third street the way that you would in american city is milton keynes everyone's favorite town <laughs>
1: um, uh, so this inter- includes the town where i grew up which is called harlow in essex and basically yeah and then ultimately over time huge numbers of these people basically became like a property owning class because they went from like renting what we call council houses but in america would be called like i don't know like
0: Um, Well, council houses in America would be housing projects, but but housing projects in America obviously have a very different connotation because of redlining and segregation and desegregation. Whereas in Britain, it's really important to remember that people, up until the Tories started selling out, allowing people to basically buy condo units within housing projects uh, at absolute, just unbelievably low prices and basically creating a huge class of landlords. Uh, something like seventy percent of British people lived in public housing. Effectively, uh, that yeah. was that was the the, the standard. It was before my my mom my mom's whole family that lives in Norwich? Uh, they all they all did live in in council estates, and and they weren't they weren't all tower blocks. A lot of them in the inner cities or the commuter towns were, but also elsewhere in the country, in the home counties, even some of these were just like, uh townhouse, rowhouse neighborhoods. They just were built and operated by the council. One thing I want to point out too is just a famous point of reference for American listeners. Uh, somebody whose life trajectory took this route and who his entire life had an absolute horror of English suburbs, David Bowie, was born in Brixton, but in a house, his, 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 his infancy house literally had a hole in the roof from a bomb. Like, and they had like four families living in a rowhouse. His family moved to Bromley and that's where he grew up. There you go. That that explains the uh, Alice called Well Kelly to Bowie
1: pipeline. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so and then basically through like the late 70s, 80s and 90s, most of these people, well, I, I, I hesitate to say most, but like huge proportions of these council houses were sold off to the people who live in them at cut rates. And uh, now they're all mysteriously owned by landlords. Um, mm. And we we won't comment on how that happened. And so in the home counties, you kind of have... This group of people who are, they are overwhelmingly white. They are essentially London people, but with like a generational gap. They're like a London diaspora, right? Like they've moved out. So they're still like fucking Cockney legend. You fucking what, son? But they're like, and so they have this kind of like folk memory of being like these working class Cockneys who lived in Hovels. But a huge number of them have become sort of basically like a moneyed property owning class, but who have this kind of like authentic white working class aesthetic that you know the labor party is always trying to cultivate
0: if you're familiar with staten island or new jersey suburbs guidos who are like yeah hey, yo my fucking family's from brooklyn that kind of thing their families aren't from brooklyn their families left brooklyn by the absolute like the latest by the 70s they grew up in suburbs either on staten island or elsewhere in new jersey or long island but there is this absolute sort of like People who live in homes that are worth a fuckload that they got like cut hugely discounted prices and loans on, but they still purport themselves to be, hey, yo, I'm not like these fucking yuppies who think they can fucking run this town, like that kind of thing. It's the same phenomenon. Hmm. But in Britain, I feel like the notion of appealing to these people or having to sort of have them on your side is a much more pressing political and cultural issue because it's a smaller country with basically one big city as yeah. opposed to America which is fucking huge and like if you're not on the east coast none of that shit matters. And I think this plays
1: into like a very important socioeconomic point which I think is essentially what Hussein was alluding to earlier which is there is now that there are now like two divides in class in Britain because there's your kind of the old school system of British class. It fell along economic lines, but it was like primarily a cultural assertion, right? Like that, you know, there was like a divide in like education aspirations, like the kind of like cultural things that you defined yourself by. But now you have this kind of two-tier thing where you have a lot of educated people who are effectively working class because they earn dog shit money. And you have a lot of people who are completely uneducated and have very like a quote unquote working class you might say cultural tastes and so on but who are definitely not working class because they're like millionaires who own plumbing businesses or whatever yeah. which has reflected the way in which in Britain particularly a lot of those uh, jobs and trades and so on which were traditionally considered working class have ev- have effectively become like kind of petit bourgeois things whereas a lot of the things which were traditionally considered middle class like office work and like educated things of like sort of the wage stagnation has been so great that they have become more and more working class over time but our perception of what is working class and what is middle class hasn't changed.
2: I think there's like a similar trajectory to Dartford, but what I was very interested in, because I hadn't really researched a lot of like Dartford's history before this, this, this here episode. And I didn't realize that like, actually like the origins of, there were like some radical roots of Dartford's history. So like, it was one of like the, um it was one of the central points of the early days of the Peasants' Revolt. So what Tyler was like hanging around uh quite a lot, but he eventually like, he and the other, he and the other like rebels, eventually left not because they were sort of forced out, but because they couldn't uh, garner enough support from people in Dartford. Um, so you see, some things, to, things don't change to make it worthwhile. <laughs> so we kind of like went further south. Like so, we kind of we had more success in uh, Gravesend than they did in mm.
0: I hate it when I fail to convince. Bears wheel rate to come alongside of my peasant's revolt.: What was interesting. No, my yeah. peasants revolt, which aims to shut down the Dartford crossing there by <laughs> crippling the economy.
1: What
2: was interesting was like in the, so in the 20th century, or like just before the 20th century, um, Dartford was a like industrial hub, so it had like paper mills, it had like ver- like various factories. there was kind of there was like a thriving working class, there was like a working class culture, um, various working class clubs. And as with many places in uh, the UK during like the reign of Thatcher. And what's interesting is also that Margaret Thatcher, when she was first running for parliament, I can't remember what year this is in. Um, she actually ran for- 79,
0: the... was it? No, she no, she, she became she PM before. in 79. She she would have been running for her first seats in parliament probably in the late 60s. Uh, uh,
2: so she she was running in Dartford and she didn't win. And she didn't win largely because of like, again, like there was like a lot, there was like a big working class community in Dartford. Which declined along with many other like mm. towns during her reign, um, because of deindustrialization. And Dartford is one of those places that has never really recovered since then. So it's gone through mm. like various iterations where it's like had like a high street that's kind of you know, it, and the high street still exists. But when I was younger, the high street had like your conventional stuff. So it had like a TK Maxx and it had a Subway and it had you know a couple of like money transfer places where you could uh you could uh pawn 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 your uh, uh wife's gold or something like that, right? Um <laughs> which was a very popular place. Like, you know, I uh, I um I used to see that whenever I used to go get my Subway sandwich at lunch. Um Yeah, that was I, where
1: I got all that wife gold that
2: eh? <laughs> I now I went back very recently and like every third shop on that high street is a vape shop. So there are like Turkish restaurants, a KFC and McDonald's, the, 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 uh, the money transfers, porn store, and vape stores. So the vape stores are like the thing that are like keeping this like local economy afloat.
0: Um, it, it's funny to me because my great, great grandfather was uh, in the Royal Army Band at uh, Woolwich Arsenal, and my great grandfather was born in Plumstead. Yeah, and where he was born, that street doesn't exist anymore because it was blown up. You know, errant bombs trying to hit the fucking army base hit the street in the war. Yeah, and so they built a bunch of social housing there. Um, but as I understand it, my family then moved further out. So after the war, they left uh Plumstead and went to Croydon. Yeah. Um, and it's weird how if I look now, it took me a while finding looking on old maps to figure out where the old station road was because that was and i've seen a photo on ancestry.com of like the house he was born in in 1900 yeah and uh that house that street doesn't exist anymore there is a station road but it's just a different street now and um god fucking hell man around the actual station it's just really really grim like it's just scrap yards and like like what you're describing you know i mean Um, i
2: i I I don't live too far away from there, so like i I see them i see mm. i see it a lot and yes it is it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty grim place, <laughs> along with all the other places that we we're talking about.
1: Listen, here in Dartford, you hate the Muslims, you love your wife gold, and you love blowing <laughs> fat cows. Simple as.
2: But, but that's the thing. Like I feel like with uh, one of the like the through lines that connects all these places is the fact that like these high streets are basically being supported by vape stores run by like um stone South Asian guys who. Um, wide, re- wide Muhammad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the, the vape stores are run by like wide Muhammad's right who are also like in the property business as well so this brings me on to my next point which is like okay if you have this like very derelict town why are houses mm. here north of like 300 400,000 pounds right um, you know so you so you end up in you end up in a situation where like this is a town that like is largely designed as like a transport hub so in Dartford you have the mm-hmm. Dartford bridge which, which will take you to which will take you into the city. Um, You have like a train station that will take you into the city. Um, You have like various grammar schools, which also kind of like have an effect on prices. So I don't know about Essex, but I know that in Dartford um, house prices have kind of like been very, very high because you end up having um, lots of kind of immigrant families or like Mm. like upper middle-class immigrant families who move into the area to kind of like get on the catchment, to get in the catchment area to like, get into the to get into the schools, right? Um, because of like the eleven because you can rig the eleven plus tests. So the demand for these grammar schools, which for American listeners are basically like if you had a private school but the state paid for it. Um and I went to one of these grammar schools. They're they're
1: state schools, but there's like you have to take an exam to get in. So they're like sort of competitive placements. And and
2: they have like private school aesthetics as well, right? Um, so they kind of like add an appeal to like poor immigrant families who want to give their kids like a good education as well as like very rich upper middle-class white people who don't want to pay for their feet. Don't, don't want to pay to like send their kids to Dulwich college. Right um and there's also that whole thing where you
1: get like you get like the incredibly rich liberals who could afford a private school but they send their kids to like they what they would rather do is spend the money like finagling the state system to get their kids into the best state school so they can say like we didn't send our children to a private school we merely completely fucked the system
2: <laughs> yeah and then as a result like you end up having kids who like will still stay in like their kind of nice leafy area of like kent but then all of a sudden this family now has an, in- has an investment property as we want to call it to like play with. Right. So now Mm. not only like, uh, not only have they like increased their property portfolio, but they also know that this is like a stable real estate investment because so long as those schools are there and so long as those links to the city are there, like those prices are going to stay high. So even though like the, in the, the the travel infrastructure within Dartford, like fucking sucks in terms of like, Mm. you know, if you want to get from one part of the town to the other part of the town, paying like five pounds fifty one way on the Arriva bus, regardless of how old you are, I think. I don't I think they don't even have like yeah. the old pensioners discount anymore, though. Like maybe I'm wrong. But it's still like really expensive to like actually travel within the town if you don't have a car. But mm. like the, the if you want to drive into the city, it doesn't really take as long as it would if you were like the same distance, but in I don't know, like maybe in Essex, but in other like poorer areas. Um, it would take you a lot longer to kind of get to the same place
1: yeah I mean uh, to to like to add to that like sort of the town where I'm from in Essex is similar in a lot of ways I mean definitely like the cursed high street aesthetic I mean my town doesn't really have a high street because it was it was built on spec in the 1940s and 50s so it has like a a sort of artificially constructed town centre but the 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 sum total of it is exactly the same like (laughs) there's a boots there's a vape shop there's a massive Starbucks for some reason which has been done up with the Starbucks aesthetic so it's all like glass walls and like very modern but like everything is next to is like cursed concrete pillars and like it's very weird i have one of those Um, near my
2: near the place near my flat actually which is like yeah i always find it very funny
0: i find it funny though because like you guys where you're from there's there's similarly you know you you have you, you grew up in similar areas but then also if you pick considering how big essex and kent actually are you can find cities that are similarly connected but just don't have the same sort of like striving or like even downwardly mobile middle class sort of vibe to them. Yeah, mm. like we're talking uh, Basildon and Essex, or like Ramsgate or Canterbury. Bas Vegas baby. Kent. Like if it's a weird th- that the Basildon, if you look at the connection to London, is pretty quick to get into the city. But houses in Basildon, you can actually get decent places for under two hundred thousand pounds. Whereas, like you were saying, Hussein, like There's yeah. a reason for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like, let's not fucking talk about Ramsgate, like the yeah. the, the, the the hell world seaside town. Uh, there's there's just there are places that have sort of been deemed I don't know how to describe it like to use the very American, very loaded expression sort of good areas. And mm. those places are weirdly competitive to to live in, to go to schools, to buy places in despite being pretty shit, but I think in a way that kind of belies how uh, overwhelmingly shit most of the towns that aren't like that are. Yeah. I mean, there are two basic
1: axes, right, which define like the desirability of British property, which is where it is, uh, in terms of like distance from the centre of London and where it is in terms of desirability of that area and there are certain areas which despite being undesirable get place infla- price inflation just because they're so close to London so like my town is exactly like that like you can drive to a tube station in like 10 minutes so it's pretty like the prices are going to go up even though it's shit or you've got places like Bishop Stortford which is further away but it has like more cachet as like a nice market town even though it's full of the same people right um, but what I was gonna To say about my town is that like it it has this kind of cursed aesthetic, right? There's an area of the town called the Rose, which I love because it's just like one of those like little shopping arcades where like none of the things are congruent to each other at all. (laughs) Like there's like a hairdresser's that's next to a fish and chip shop, which is next to a Chinese takeaway, which is next to a uh corner shop, which is opposite a nightclub. Right, okay. So this place has been a number of things in the time I've lived there. At first it was a nightclub called Liquid. And then it was a nightclub called Quatros. If you're wondering how that's spelt, that is Q-U-A-T-T-R-O-Z. Uh, yes, for anyone following along. And uh, now it's been taken over by, I am pretty convinced, the <laughs> Turkish Mafia. Because they've turned it into like a two-floor, like luxury restaurant. But it's like, okay, imagine if someone let Gemma Collins from The Only Way Is Essex decide what the aesthetic inside a restaurant <laughs> would be. And it's called Melon, which is like... A word from no language. Um, And so anyway, so there's got this like weird like chandeliers, like weird like silver curtains, like everything's like really like the wine glasses are huge, like but of course it's been, there's like never anyone in there, because it's in like the grimmest area, it's like, it's next to the fucking Polish food shop, like it's not in the like even vaguely more aspirational bits of the town but there's always a G-Wagon parked outside it with the number plate that says Melon. (laughs) So I feel like there's something going on there Um, but that's reflective of kind of the, the transformation that that town's undergone, because it was interesting to me her saying that you were saying about how like dartford is has for for all of its like cursed suburbia aesthetic, it does also have like an immigrant population, which Harlow absolutely never did yeah i mean like, it's
2: in in some areas there is an immigrant i w- i wouldn't say even it's like an immigrant popu- an immigrant community I would just say that there are kind of like a wider mix of people um yeah. and I think a lot of that is kind of is much more to do with class than anything else, so it's more like visa this is where you go if like you become um, upper, you know, when you when you get to like the upper middle class aesthetics and like you don't have to kind of rely on um, a community to kind of keep you up anymore, which is, you know, yeah. the case of like my parents when they move from like, you know, when going from like Southeast London to Kent, a lot of other people are the same mm. thing. Um, and they all come for like very similar reasons, right? So it's either coming because they want to buy a house that will appreciate in value um, because they want to send their kid to like, you know, the best school, but they don't want to like pay private school fees for it. Um, so there isn't really a community as much as there is just like a diversity of kind of people who all exist within the same kind of class strata. Um, and I wonder whether that kind of creates this sort of kind of weird aesthetic. Cause when I, you know, Dartford high street and like even kind of this, the surrounding areas is basically the same. Like, you know, you can go to the nail salon, then you can go to the chippy, then you can go to the kebab shop. Uh, Then you can go for a succulent Chinese meal. Uh, (laughs) This um, is
1: democracy manifest. (laughs)
2: Um, And then you can end the night by um, taking some NOS and going to uh, our version of melon, which is uh, Air and Breathe. I have very cursed memories of Air and Breathe. Two great tastes that taste great together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I I have very cursed memories of Erin Brief because it was also the place where when I was younger they used to have the they used to host like under eighteen discos every every yes. month. Yes, um, and I was yes. ne- I was never allowed to go to them. Obviously, well, I uh, as haram, you I, well, are banned. I mean, yeah, but also like I wouldn't have really like I I can only imagine myself at like. Fucking total tw- like thirteen, fourteen years old, obsessed with like Beyblade, going to the going to an yeah. under eighteen disco at air and breathe, um, wearing one of those like shiny shirts yeah. that you wear. Um like th- that is going all- up to the DJ booth and insisting that
1: they play Limp Biscuits Roland.
0: <laughs> I have to specify though that although this is deeply cursed, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Where I'm from, I mean, when I was eleven, my parents moved to uh, a suburb of Indianapolis and uh it, there, there was no such, there were no youth discos, youth youth dance things, there's nothing. The closest equivalent mm. we ever had to anything like that would be like, there would be a school dance yeah. periodically. Yeah. But there was never, there were no businesses that catered to teens. There were really, like where I lived in Carmel, I remember in New Mexico, where I'd lived before, we had lived in like a housing development. There were no stores in the entire development. And there was the, yeah. only, the only thing you could go to, you would literally would have had to cross like a major motorway to get in like there was no way as a kid you could ride your bike to get like there just wasn't anything to go to in carmel at least there was but like what i'm when i say there was a place to go to you could ride your bike to like a grocery store or a video rental store there wasn't like anything like maybe like an ice cream shop there wasn't really anything that catered to kids in many ways Uh, that feels
2: really normal like that feels so much more normal than like an under 18 disco
0: I, just, I think there's yeah. more of, like, a tradition of that kind of shit here in the UK yeah. because, I mean, like, obviously, you know, with nonstop austerity, they've closed down a lot of, like, the youth centers and stuff like that. But st- one of the things about, like, the sort of YMCA model, you know, in cities in America and, like, youth centers and, like, all these kinds of things was that a lot of people in, like, white flight suburbs in America got away from, like, the whole point was to get away from that shit. Mm. And like if kids were doing anything, it was like structured club things where there was a fee to enter, so that they could keep out the riffraff. Like so much of how that exists in America is mm. sort of based on the idea that like it's pay to play for everything, and like you live in the suburbs to get away from the idea of there being a community. Yeah, and and so that to me is interesting when you talk about it because don't get me wrong, I can imagine in you know suburban Kent it probably sucks. Yeah. but it's also there wasn't a public transit in Carmel at all, like not, none whatsoever. I don't even think there is now. If there is, it's it's like absolutely brand new. There was no way, as a kid to get from Carmel to downtown Indianapolis if you wanted to. There was no way to get to any of the malls there weren't it, back in those days there wasn't really any mall in Carmel the only the closest mall was i'm not joking something along the lines of like four or five miles away from like where I lived, and at least two to three miles from uh the the county line and there was no sidewalk or, or footpath. There was no way to walk there mm-hmm. so The whole point of being a kid there was you were trapped until you had a driver's license, which I mean in America you can drive at sixteen, until you had a driver's license and hopefully you had a car. There was nowhere to go. Yeah, and Mm. that's one thing that I would say that's that's kind of weird about it for me is that on one hand I totally understand where you're coming from that like it does seem deeply cursed, but like if you had wanted to, Hussein, as a fourteen year old, you could have fucked off and like gotten on a train and gone to London. That none of that exists where I grew
1: up well yeah. this is the thing I think you have to understand about these British suburban towns that we're talking about here as compared to American suburbia which is that my understanding of American suburbia having spent a bit of time in the US is that the stress is very much on the sub part and not on the urban part <laughs> whereas in Britain it's the other way around like these suburban towns have like kind of an urban feel but it's just like imagine the most boring city you've ever been in like it has public transport and so on but there's like nothing to do like Hussein bring up the under 18 discos is like an amazing because I think what you need to understand about the under 18 nightclubs right is that we had like school discos, like everyone has like that was that was the thing, right? But the kids who went to the under eighteen nightclubs were like the kids of the parents who did not give a fuck, right? Like if you were going to the under eighteen discos, like you were the kids who were like doing poppers at 13 and like just doing weird shit, probably getting like nonced by some guy who was like nineteen and you thought was really cool. Like the amount of people I knew at school who basically to make their life less boring were like dating people who were like in their twenties when they were like fourteen. And, yeah. and like girls who'd be like, "Yeah, he's got a car. It's like really cool." And it's like, and then I remember even at the time being
2: like, "Sounds like a nonce." Oh my god, <laughs> Milo! Did did you ever have that situation where like you would just see these like twenty year olds like waiting outside school gates? Oh, I I never had that at my school, but so, I can so really there was, imagine it. So there was a lot. So I went to an all boys grammar school, and there was an all girls grammar school like just down the road. Um, and I used to get my bus back to my house, uh, from there, and during the time between the end of school and the bus coming, you'd see all these kind of, you'd see all these cars coming in. There were all these like shitty cars. Like I can't even remember what they are, but they were all like these fucking like, you know, those badly pimped out Nissans and like, you know, the Subarus and stuff like that. Um, I don't even yeah. know if those were the cars but like I can imagine. Oh, of if- a-,
1: a Ford Sierra with like a halogen light taped to the yeah, underside just, like, so that it looks unnecess- like something out of Tokyo Drift.
2: <laughs> or those unnecessarily like large wheels that like you kind of look and you think like you shouldn't have that on like your shitty car yeah. like a Vauxhall
1: Nova with like a paint can taped to the exhaust.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just like it exists just to make loud noises. And they would always yeah. be there. And these were always like, I didn't realize that they were in their kind of like 20s until way later. And I also didn't realize how weird it was until afterwards. But uh, it was sort of amazing how, like in the girl, you know, in the kind of girls' grammar school, you'd have these older teachers who were there just to kind of like really supervise. Um, And make sure like nothing kind of like was going on. And then you just have these 20 year olds just like sitting on their cars, waiting for their school age girlfriends to come out of like to come out at the end of the day.
0: Um, And very regular. And and the the American energy equivalent of that, we didn't have, not to my knowledge. I mean, I don't remember anything like that, but we did have three separate incidents in one calendar year of teachers basically getting in legal trouble for fucking their students in my hometown. <laughs> and in one case, one of the, this this guy who was like a girls basketball coach in his late 40s or early 50s uh went to prison for it, but then when he got out, the girl that he was I'm scare quotes here dating, uh by that point she she had turned 18, she got emancipated from her parents and they got married. Well, Ooh. now that to mm. me, is, is the big Indiana story. Imagine so, imagine telling your grandkids that one. Yeah. Also bear in mind that the difference between Britain and America in this regard is that in Britain, the of consent is 16, whereas in America, it's, it's not. <laughs> and it, it, it really depends on where you are, but like it's, it's hard to explain in, in one fell swoop. But long story short, if, if, if someone over 18 is fucking a 16-year-old in America, they will go to jail if they get caught and the, the parents press charges. So yeah. that's not the same here. And as a result, you, f- you have these weird situations but i feel like the the question i wanted to ask to since you're the subject matter experts when it comes to britain here hussein i'll start with you what do you think if you had to conjure up a vision of like the dartford guy what is the dartford guy like take take the trope of the essex man you know that they always fucking like to use in the 80s and 90s or the 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 fucking wokington man from the last election uh what's what's the, what's the Essex guy or correction what's the Dartford the
2: Dartford guy? guy I think okay so I feel like there are variations of it but if I was to kind of like really essentialize what a Dartford guy would be there would be someone in there would be like a white male in their maybe late 20s or to like towards their like 30s and maybe early 40s they are probably like a tradesperson, so they probably run like a small plumbing business or a small like landscaping business or something like that um they have a white van that they drive very very fast on roads that like there's no point driving very fast on uh, they, are the yes, who, they, they, they are the type of people who they have a type of people who honk at schoolgirls or like just honk at any woman that they see on the yeah. street regardless in of fact, like slight subdivision they might own one of the sports models of the <laughs> van. Have
1: you ever seen the the ford rs transit yeah, yeah. it's like how much of a rush are you in yeah. to get to a decorating job like what
2: yeah. they have they have an essex accent for sure even though like they don't need to have one they just kind of they just kind of do, they just have that, like, the, they have, like, what, when Milo does the Dave Courtney voice, like, they have that voice.
0: Sort of vestigial East End, South London accent passed yeah. on through the generations.
2: Yeah, the one that I can't
0: fucking do without- Fucking
1: cyclists son- should get, get fucking road tested, you fucking cunts. But
2: it's, but it's, but it's <laughs> like, it's, 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 like, a lot deeper, and it's also as if, like, it's slower, as if they're kind of, they just woke
0: up. Um... I'm, I, I- I'm they, just reminded of a friend of mine whose dad was from... His family was from Jersey, but they, they lived in Indiana. Yeah. And his dad uh, was was real like Jersey suburbs Guido. And this was at the time, I want to say it was season one or season two of American Idol was coming to an end when it was like Clay Aiken versus another guy who was like a kind of heavy set dude. I can't remember the other guy's name. I think it was Ruben something, but I can't remember. Anyway, so we were after swim practice, we were hanging out at my friend's house and uh, his dad... Came in to ask uh, my friend's younger sister about, like, you know, it was just bullshitting with her, and he was asking about American Idol, and, and this is a quote: Joe Benani, his his dad said, "Hey, Jillian, who was it who won on that American Idol? Was it Quibbo or the fat ass?" <laughs> and Joe's mom, ma- or uh, you're my- listening to Quibo <laughs> and the fat ass. My, my friend's mom was like, "Joe, don't talk to your daughter that way." Now these people weren't from Brooklyn; they were from the Jersey suburbs, but that's the same sort of phenomenon of like the vestigial accent getting passed on all the way down to the point where like a person talks like a part of the country, a part of the city they're absolutely not from, but it's central to their identity that they talk this way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that's, I think that's absolutely true. And that very much like the Essex guy is like a very similar vibe, but I think that like my own, my own town is kind of an interesting example of this because like when I was growing up there, it was incredibly boring like but in no way like really deprived like incredibly boring in the sense of like i remember we would as teenagers go on nights out to the cinema where we would go and see a film but it was mostly about hanging out at the cinema before yes. and after yeah and like I can remember just like other like reasonably middle class kids or at least kids that were absolutely not in gangs or had ever experienced like crime in any meaningful sense, but who were all like in hoodies like with the hoodie done up, like you know pretending to be like road men basically, and they were all white, obviously, and I remember once being outside the cinema on one of these evenings and there was a there was like a group of like thirty of these guys who we didn't know, and they were like stood around. One of the uh, one of the like you know the big light up signs for like what films are on, but it's like a standalone one, right? And they're like gradually like hyping each other up, They're like yeah, go on, bro, go on, yeah, fucking do it, do it, do it. And then eventually one of them runs up and like kicks the sign, and the sign breaks. And then there's like this moment of silence as they all stand there, and then one of them just goes Peg it, and then they all just run away. <laughs> and I'm like that that sums up a certain kind of teenage experience, right? And that's kind of that. It was almost like a, a slightly, like, cosseted environment in which we grew up, even though, like, a lot of, like, kids at our school, like, definitely had, like, problems at home. There was the odd, like, dad in prison and that sort of thing. But then now the dynamics of the town have shifted a lot because people who would who are from London basically and would be socially housed in London under normal circumstances have essentially been farmed out by their local authorities to these towns in Essex I mean famously that terminus house place where they've just like converted a load of offices into like cells for the homeless is in my town it's like it's right above the bus station Um, and so Harlow has like suddenly become a lot more like ethnically diverse over the last few years and I'm sure there's a lot more deprivation there now but that hasn't really colored the kind of guy that i've grown up with i think like the most like the the symbol like obviously like dartford guy definitely exists in essex like the white van man tory who is like worth over a million quid 100% exists but there's also the guy i would like to call the white personal trainer tory who's like a guy i went to school with I had, like middle class parents like uh I, I knew one guy whose dad was a policeman and whose mum worked at the bank like reasonably like reasonably well off like i mean not not like wealthy by any means but like kind of a normal lower middle class family and uh, and he now owns a personal training business and he just endlessly posts on Instagram about how you know the Tories are right and how you know Jeremy Corbyn is a communist who must be destroyed and like it's just it's like that is that's kind of the energy like the young people in these towns have kind of just accepted like this kind of like dog eat dog r- reality that we find ourselves in.
0: I've heard people refer to it as like dark fruits Twitter, uh <laughs> in reference to Strongbow Dark Fruits Cider, that there's a sort of like like hustle and grind culture of that sort of demographic and they are absolutely if not like politically Tory they are sort of like unformed ideologically Tory yeah and and that go ahead Hussain I was gonna say
2: I definitely don't like I definitely don't think that Dartford's like a highly politicized place in the way that like in terms of like party politics but there is this very there is like a very very Tory vibe like socially Tory vibe to it I always like attributed it down to just the idea but like towns like Dartford sort of exist because the main aspiration um among many is like to basically own your own house in dartford right so it's like to kind of um to kind of make you know eventually like you want to kind of like buy a place in that area where you have a garden and you have like two kids and stuff and that's kind of like the suburban dream um one thing i was going to say earlier like was i think we were talking about how um well were you like Nate was saying about in 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 indiana like or in places like that you couldn't actually get out so you sort of like had no choice but to like make do until you could drive. Going
0: to the movie theater, like what you were describing, your parents drop you off. You know, people are like stupid thirteen-year-olds getting in fights at the movie theater, yeah. screaming in, out, yeah. screaming out the word "penis" during <laughs> like the, the the screening of like a fucking Alicia Silverstone movie. I mean, that happened. I mean, that like, happened, like,
2: that happened yes. in Dartford as well, right? Um, well, mm. I would also say that like there comes a point where like even though access get, getting out of these places, especially where you have like decent enough transport networks. Isn't like difficult to do. I think there is a culture in these towns of like trying to get people not to go out. Um, yeah, so even so, a lot of people
1: adopt this like weird, like, civic pride about being from this like awful town that people only (laughs) move to in the first place to get a free house.
2: Well, I I remember like whenever there was like New Year's and stuff, um, and I was in school, we would there would always be people who were like, Oh, yeah, I'm gonna go see the fireworks, but I'm worried in case I get stabbed in London or something. And that like happened, that kind of really intensified after the seven, yeah. seven bombings when people were very openly saying, but, oh yeah, if you go to London, like there's a good chance you might be killed or something like that. Right. Um, and that was just like, take, yeah. and and that, and that was just taken that. as like normal. Like, oh yeah. Okay. So like, we shouldn't go to the city because, you know, you might, you might not come back in one piece, which is why so many of like my mm. friends at the time were like, yeah, I, I'll, I'm happy to go anywhere, but I'm, I just don't want to go to London. It's like, okay, so you want to go to like the mall then?
0: I mean, I was I was out getting drinks with a friend of the show, um, who was in, and uh, his one of his friends who was also back in the UK, but they they all live overseas. Uh, who was from, I think from Surrey, from like not maybe not from Crawley, which I've been to Crawley. It sucks. We can talk about that later. Uh, but somewhere around that area, um, I happened. We were in conversation. I was talking about you know where I live, and and I mentioned that I live in Peckham, and she's like, you know, I'm not going to approximate her accent, but she basically was just like, let me ask you a question, like, what? why would you choose to live there? And I was just like, oh, my wife is black. We wanted to live in like a neighborhood that had a black community and it's fine. It's close to London. It gets everywhere we need to go. She's like, okay. But there was this absolute sort of like v- what you might describe as vestigial suburban fear of mm. famously bad neighborhood in South London. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you look back on stuff like in the early 2000s, late 90s, there were some pretty shocking things that went down in Peckham, but that's not really yeah it's not like it was. also these
1: people are so out of touch with the pace of gentrification and like how like now a town where like like my town is like much more on a trajectory of becoming somewhere like what they imagine peckham used to be like in terms of being full of deprived people who are being pushed out of social housing more and more further and further out like when people talk about knife crime in london like most of the knife crime is in places like romford yeah. Which traditionally weren't even really considered London, but like that is where like the poorest and most marginalized people are being pushed out to because, like, oh, you, if you lose your council
0: house in Tower Hamlets, well, there isn't another one. So you're going to end up like somewhere the fuck else. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that seems to be like a bit. I mean, whereas in America, you just have to understand that there was definitely the same sort of phenomenon. I remember people telling me, like, don't go south of, you know, first it was 38th Street in Indianapolis, and then it was like 54th Street in Indianapolis, basically like, anywhere south where it became black neighborhoods that were absolutely redlined uh it was this idea of like oh you're gonna get killed and like "Mm." the one time somebody from not even my hometown but from north central which was the like the sort of uh township that was south of the county line where you were still technically part of indianapolis there was a story of, of that happening and it was literally a kid whose dad was a coke addict brought him along to try to get drugs and something went wrong in the deal, and a dude shot the back of the window and killed this kid by mistake. But, like, that's the level. That, that It's like, yes, if you're with your dad buying cocaine at one in the morning somewhere <laughs> in Indianapolis, you might get shot. That is true. Taking your kid on
1: a field trip to Inferno's.
0: <laughs> but, like, it's not as though if you go to, like, fucking... You know like Yummy's Chinese food On fucking 19th street Indianapolis You're somehow mm-hmm. going to get fucking killed Like that doesn't happen Careful but the, of
1: them Chinese they know karate It's the same was <laughs> this happened to Dave Courtney He got in a sword yeah. fight remember <laughs> Sword <laughs> fight in the Chinese takeaway <laughs>
0: Britain, Britainology heads will know So in, in a way that mentality Still exists but I do think that's a good point Milo That like someone raised in the suburbs Of you know Surrey or Kent Or Berkshire or something like that Would only know of these places as sort of Being representational of like this highly exaggerated sort of like london decadence Mm. and so it doesn't really have any correspondence with reality yeah i i to add to that i have just remembered
1: an absolute guy like not not a not a composite guy not the platonic form of a guy but a guy i actually met right who i think perfectly describes like his generation of essex man which is so i went to i went to school with this kid who um his dad was a wealthy like he owned a construction company but which specialized in like railway shit like they did like stuff like i don't know railway points and shit like that like me- railway maintenance basically and uh it's a lucrative business right they were very wealthy but they lived in like uh, like a uh, a house that was like originally from like a fairly normal row of like detached like pebble dash like shit looking houses in this town but which they had like extended to the point where it looked like something like JR from Dallas would live in but on this like (laughs) preposterous street and he always had like a car that would be like a brand new executive car like an S class or a Jaguar or something like that that had like 19 TVs in it like a TV in every surface which was it was the style at the time and so I remember once when we were I think it was this kid's 12th birthday and we went round there for a sleepover. And as part of the sleepover in classic suburban style, we were going out to Pizza Hut for dinner, which was like, you know, the, the, the olive garden of the British suburbs. <laughs> was it like going what, out to what, pizza was it hut? one of those
2: like sit in Pizza Huts?
1: Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, we were going out. It was like, and the, so, so, like the
2: salad bar and everything.
1: Yeah, and so there were, like, nine of us or something, and so, like, the mum and the dad, like, dangerously loaded more of us than was legal into, like, their two cars and drove us down there, right? (laughs) So then I'm in the back of this fucking Mercedes, right? We're all, like, crammed in. There's, like, three TVs all blaring different things. And then uh, we stop at a traffic light, and this guy's dad, and I remember this vividly to this day, just turns around and looks me, 12-year-old, like, pudgy, incredibly middle-class child directly in the eyes and just goes... Do you know, I've got the entire collection of Ray Winston films. (laughs) And then there's this like slightly awkward pause where I don't really know what to say to that. And then he goes, my personal favourite is Scum. Um, And it's just perfect because it is like this guy who's like never lived in London or had anything meaningfully to do with London, but sort of aspires to be this kind of like Dave Courtney figure when
0: all he is is just like a dumb guy who's made a lot of money from maintaining railways. I wanted to throw something in there for American listeners. Just understand, have you ever seen pictures of British houses that look like they're made out of gravel? But in Minecraft, that's what pebble dashing <laughs> is. It's basically like a weatherproofing seal of of affixing lots and lots of gravel it's, pebbles it's cosmetic
1: there's there's no actual yeah. reason for it it's just that in the 70s they thought it looked dope to like spray stones on a house with cement it
0: looks hideous and it's impossible it's, to remove exactly it's almost impossible to remove it's so expensive to get removed you basically have to like sandblast and jackhammer the entirety of your house to get rid of it so mm. british houses that are pebble dashed, the best thing you can hope for is just like paint yeah. it white because then at least it won't look like as i'm describing a big block of gravel in Minecraft. It looks like the thing from the Fantastic 4 has not on your house. That's like <laughs> that's basically the only way I can describe it. We don't have shit like that in America. There are some like brutalist buildings like let's say not really as much apartment buildings but some office parks that have kind of pebble-dash-ish accents on them, but I've never seen anything like it. Like I live very close to uh, a housing estate near Old Kent Road in Peckham that's uh the entire you know twenty story towers, and there's like two or three of them they're all completely pebble dashed, and it's just like it's I'm not gonna lie like I know that there's like a full like a very solid community there, and there's a lot of civic pride there, but like it's because of the that they're a community sort of put into these buildings like the community is formed there. The aesthetics of the building is fucking dog shit. yeah there was no necessity for the buildings to look that horrible that was that was
1: purely <laughs> a decision that was made for reasons which will remain a mystery to everyone <laughs> um anyway so i'm gonna I'm gonna leave a bit of space for like final wrapping up thoughts on uh on like the the suburban vibes of Kent and Essex because I've prepared a reading series from Scotland to prove that this we're not we're not purely Anglocentric on this podcast. There's a suburban vibe that exists north of the border too. Um, Hussein, do you have any final thoughts?
2: There is one thought that I have, and I feel like this should be like a unifying mm-hmm. theme, which could kind of round it off, which is that all these towns are connected by one single can of nos. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how i think you can understand like that's that's i feel like that's the key to like the human instrumentality project regarding these types of guys um but they all yeah. join together. Mind,
0: american listeners we don't mean NAS like fucking in the fast and the furious to make your cargo faster we mean people huffing nitrous oxide right which like- is a thing british people do to a degree that I have never seen in my entire life. Yeah. Because,
2: because the thing you can guarantee on like a Saturday morning or something is that if you go to one of these like clubs, whether it's like Melon or Air and Breathe or like, I don't know what the other ones are called, like maybe like Vixen or something like that. It's like these very badly named nightclubs that are. That are there was
1: there was one in uh, Bishop Stortford that was called H2O <laughs> and then it burnt down and they, bu- they built a new nightclub on the same site that was called, and I shit you not, Scorch. <laughs>
2: I know. Yes. Like, I know. Like in um, I know in Chatham, uh, one a guy that I went to school with. Like he now like owns this kind of nightclub where he hosts like under eighteen discos and stuff. Um, and it's like he got the money. Is there a more perfect nonce profession than
1: hosting <laughs> under eighteen discos.
2: I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying it, but I'm certainly thinking it. Um, yeah. and he's like a very classic fail son of this particular type of guy. So his father is a manager of Gillingham Football Club like one of the managers of Gillingham football club and Mm -hmm. has also been involved in some, you know, fairly like slightly, uh, uh, I I don't want to like libel myself too much here, but let's just say like some fairly spicy side business deals, um, regarding, regarding assets, he runs a curry house, (laughs) regarding regarding (laughs) assets and property. So he got like, he got this money from his dad and he bought this nightclub. And this is a guy who, when I went to school with like, he was he was, um, he, he, how, how do I describe him other than like a short, skinny white dude who always had a bowl cut and looked like he was like Randolph from, uh, the cartoon series Recess. Awesome. Um, but he was like obsessed with certain point about like just having clout and being cool. And the only thing he had was money. Right. So he used to kind of mm-hmm. like lavish, like his parents' money um, giving like all the girls who came to our sixth form, like lifts home, regardless of how far that they lived. And he would like have these house parties where he would invite like, you know, so-called cool people to and everything. So his whole life has kind of been about like basically seeking clout. And he bought this nightclub and every kind of couple of weeks, he posts a picture of himself with like someone who he thinks is very cool, but is basically like a B-rate celebrity now. So it's like people like Tiny Temp, like, not Tiny tempered, like Tinchy Strider, Um, the people, the, uh, the, the, um, the, the people from the guys from Ndubs, Joey uh, Essex. Yeah. I mean, just like basically those types of people who were like kind of popular in like late two thousands, maybe the beginning Mm. of like the early, 2010. The, the rel
1: guy from Endubs, Phaser,
2: <laughs> is that his name? Yep. The, like the the third by popularity yes, yeah, member yeah, yeah, of yeah. the three man group Endubs. Yes. Uh, like Mike GLC and stuff like that. Like these people who like you can mm. kind of search them on YouTube and you'll find them on like Radio One, Fire in the Booth back in 2000. And- to 2009, yeah. and like Tim West doing a rap about right.
1: going to net a netto.
2: Yes, and Tim West would be like, Yeah, that's sick, bro. That's sick. yo dog <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, why I've w- not heard anything that good <laughs> since
1: the last time I was hanging out with my girlfriend. You should absolutely do that Having a tough time taking a GCSE's. Shouts out.
2: You should you should absolutely do an episode one day about Tim Westwood because I feel like he explains a lot of about Brisson at a particular moment. Oh
1: man, um, son of a bishop who's like a white guy <laughs> who like it, it pretends to be a rapper and is just like preposterously <laughs> old. He's like sixty two years old
2: and he talks like this dog. Um, no dog.
1: <laughs> yeah, what was, what, that is that is some fire bars?
2: <laughs> what I was gonna say was that like outside all these clubs, like there is like so much nos like. All these like tiny canisters everywhere. When like um when I used to go to work in my dad's store in the mornings, like one of my jobs was to sweep up all the kind of canisters outside of the store before mm. it opened. And there were so many of them. Um, and I also like there's also like a side business to that where people actually like buy those empty canisters off you and sell them as like scrap metal. So like this is a very the
1: enterprising immigrant business
2: this is very... just, this is... just
1: imagining like the, the innocent Hussein as a child just like tutting at the kafar as he like sweeps all of these <laughs> um, uh-huh. nos canisters into like a bucket and that's then your how, dad's yeah. selling them
2: that's how I ended up having like no no these were just like people on the street who were like yeah can I buy those empty canisters off you so I could like sell you know and then I found out later that they were selling them to like you know the, uh, the scrap yards to like get a bit of money Um, Mm. but like, that's the thing, that's the thing that like unites all these people together. It's, you know, it's balloon gas. And I feel like to understand Britain, to truly understand Britain, you really just have to understand balloon gas.
1: I I think that's a very good summary. I I will also add, you you alluded to the song, the rap song about Dartford Town, which will absolutely be the outro music of this episode. Uh, There were definitely, there was a lot of, like, wannabe rap in Essex, all of which was filmed in NCP multi-story car parks (laughs) by guys in, like, full Don I don't know why they felt like a car park was, like, the most (laughs) gangster place you could possibly be. Yo, fam, it's £3 an hour. I've got, I've got bear p. <laughs> no, be- no, thing- a-
2: no, the best thing you do Put is it you- on a HSBC debit, bruv. The best thing you do is you do it after 6 PM where like all these car parks are free or like you go oh, to yeah. like, you go to the, you go to the big Sainsbury's that all these towns have where they have like the kind of multi-story car parks and you do it there. Exactly.
1: Big Sainsbury's, big Tesco, even the big Asda. There we say it. <laughs> um, Okay, so uh, on that on that note, I've I've got I've got us this uh, this reading series, which we're gonna we're gonna see how much. I mean, I base I just picked it because of the headline. It's from the Daily Record. It's from Scotland. <clears throat> I think it it gives a certain kind of like maybe like people who are in a slightly higher social strata than the like Ray Winston dad, um, but like nevertheless, it portrays a certain kind of suburban British energy. Angry indoor bowlers got rid of Joe Swinson in Revenge for Leisure Centre row. <laughs> it's no longer the Swinzone, guys. So the, the subheading is, The bowlers claim they played a key role in former Lib Dem leader losing her seat after blaming her for their sport being snubbed in new £33 million leisure complex. Um, this is a company with a picture of the club secretary like taking one knee in the middle of the bowling green and like just death staring into the camera he really reminds I can't pick out who it is that he looks like but he definitely like look it up Um, so angry indoor bowlers can they play a key role in Joe Swinton losing her Westminster seat they say they got revenge against the former Lib Dem leader as they believe she played a major part of the exclusion mistake. The okay, they're upping the word count here, basically. Swinson lost her East Dunbartonshire seat in the election earlier this month. This is from a while ago. She was beaten by just 149 votes by the SNP's Amy Callaghan, right? Callaghan, probably. Uh, some members of Allender Indoor Bowling Club in Beersden near Glasgow claim Swinson's loss was because of her party's bias against 300 bowlers. This is where the Lib Dems went wrong. It would not allow bowlers to be dudes. <laughs> there are too many, like <laughs> the 300 bowlers, like the 300 Spartans, just like holding off Joe Swinson at the pass as she attempts to turn it into a swing zone. So. <laughs> It says they were fuming that the Lib Dem and Conservative led East Dunbartonshire Council didn't put a bowling hall in plans for the new leisure centre. Yesterday the secretary of the closure threatened club Sandy Tory was unrepentant over the result and revealed bowling club members had been urged to vote tactically and spread the word to others to oust Swinson, Sandy said the Lib Dems had the, had their party line and chose to vote against having a bowling hall in the new sports centre. My wife went to the meeting when it was voted on and it was a 13 to 7 vote for every issue raised. It wasn't wasn't just the, about the bowling, but other aspects too. Every 13 to 7 vote followed the party whip. Councillors saw no need for a bowling hall in the new centre, claiming membership had slumped from 702,005. But the club disputed the figure, and despite having over 300 members, more than 200 sorry, more than 2,500 supporters backed a petition for a bowling hall. The bowlers were left with nowhere to go and accused the council of stringing them along with the promise of like-for-like facilities. Sandy said. We felt undone by the Lib Dems and the Conservatives on our council. We were looking for a change of direction. We didn't know there was going to be a general election so soon, but said, "Come election time, don't vote for the Lib Dems." So basically, the, the long story short is that Jo, jo Swinson apologised over the over not supporting the bowling thing, but said it was like out of her hands. There's more. There's more angry quotes from bowling members, um, and then, uh, but essentially, what happened was the uh, the bowling club were. Um, but bussing people to the polls in order to get them to vote against Joe
2: Swinson.
0: (laughs) Yes. We don't like Joe Swinson, obviously, but yeah, apparently if you cross the bowling club in Easton Bartonshire, you will lose your seat in Parliament.
2: Dudes rock. And if if there's anything that this example shows is that when dudes rock together, they achieve great things.
0: Also, let's just be perfectly honest. If you've got a town and its council is dominated by Lib Dems and Tories, you live in a wealthy suburb.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like the, <laughs> the fucking like you, to understand British politics, you really do have to understand these places because like all the MPs that represent those places, even if those MPs are themselves not insane. I mean, there are plenty of Tory MPs who aren't insane. They're still bad, but they're not insane. Right. But they are beholden to completely insane people. Right. Like they're like, you know, they're trying to like, you know, negotiate these issues of national politics. But really, what's going to determine whether or not they lose their seat is the fucking bowling green. And if they don't do the right thing about the bowling green, there's going to be hell to pay.
0: Milo, you once told me that that the fates of British politicians were decided on bin collections. And and I feel like this this is a great that this is a great example of that.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like ultimately, what does what does Baz of Baz's stun baton shop really care about, other than like the Muslims, Brexit, what day the bins are collected on, and how often, and you know whether his pals at the bowling green are kept happy, and whether or not he can have a pint in a pub that feels like the staff room of a particularly run down uh,
0: comprehensive school. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Well, once again, we hope you've learned something on this episode. I've certainly been enlightened, and also weirded weirdly find more common ground with cursed british suburbs than i thought i would find with my own uh, cursed suburban upbringing so hussein thank you for making time for a second recording of the day no Can worries i love doing us.
2: pods i love being on my own pod but as a guest
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly pod save britannia
0: um, <laughs> and so with that in mind let us regale you with the dulcet tones of a rap song hussein found for us called dartford town see you later
2: Bye. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, yeah, the, the thing about Dartford or
1: Dartford is it's known to most people. Far-foot. You always know you're there, yeah, because the <laughs> level
2: of pussy is so low, it's low and so terrible. But like, you will end up going home with it when you limbo dance under the standard bar.
1: It, All them stuck up girls, you know what I mean?
0: And them rat snotty girls, like with snot dripping from our nose.
2: <laughs> Come to Dartford and pull a skaggy bitch, yeah, fuck it! Guaranteed to be more greasy than any Kentucky bucket But be warned, them buggy pushers are filthy in it Leave them scratch me nuts in the morning Thinking shit, rent and clinic Or <laughs> we'll take
1: a trip to the Bull and Step over the skip, being sick And learn the language, you fucking prick Cracks me up dark for girls fight like men But then again, that's probably cool because some of them kind of look like men
0: yeah. Welcome to Dark the- it ain't mine <laughs> Well it sure ain't mine Welcome to